And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. That's right, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you on a very cold Friday morning, a couple days after the Celtics lost to the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio which is something they uh, pretty much do every single year. But this time it was supposed to be different. They had Kemba, Jalen, and Jason all coming back. They had the full complement of players. And then uh, it was just bad. Uh, They had to rely on a a frisky 2-1-2 zone. And even that couldn't um, get the Celtics a victory as they lose uh, down the stretch. And Jay, what was your biggest takeaway from the Celtics' rough night in San Antonio? That defense, Brad Stevens has been harping on it. Brad Stevens has regularly said the defense isn't good enough. He is pissed off that the Celtics have not stopped people from getting into the paint. He is pissed off that everyone seems to score at the rim against them. He is pissed off that regularly that defense has not shown up and has let teams get buckets too easy. He is pissed off he had to go to his own defense against the 19th-ranked Spurs offense because his team couldn't get stops otherwise. So I would say my biggest takeaway is Brad Stevens Stevens is pissed off. Yeah, I mean, as he should be. The the Celtics were up by, I think, what, 11 in the second quarter? And then the Spurs finished with a 27-6 run. The thing that was kind of frustrating about this game is that it wasn't really the lack of – wing depth or wasn't it was like this was on the starters the Celtics are up 41 32 with like six and a half minutes left to go in the second quarter and then Kemba Jalen and Marcus Smart check back in and they just immediately started giving up buckets back to our cuts Keldon Johnson came out of nowhere and scored like eight straight points um 
And I'm not sure if, I mean, it's, do you think the offense started sucking because the defense was awful? Or do you think uh, the defense got awful because the offense started sucking? Because in that <laughs> last six minutes, they both were just atrocious. Which came first, the chicken or the shitty defense? Uh, <laughs> I think it's I, the shitty defense. I, I think it was the <laughs> shitty defense, but the offense was atrocious. The, the last 20 seconds was the worst 20 seconds a professional basketball team has ever played in the history of the sport ever since James Naismith created <laughs> basketball. What about the time Reggie Miller uh, scored like 11 points? And that was an incredible <laughs> display by a, an individual. I that would say was, Jason Tatum's that, botched inbound passes was also an incredible display. <laughs> it was, a, it was the It was like, he was 12 years old. And shouldn't have been in the game. Like, like the twelve-year-old that that the coach doesn't want to play but has to because they're twelve years old and everybody has to get in the game. <laughs> what? 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 He was just throwing it to the wrong team. Two two inbounds turnovers in the last five seconds of the freaking quarter. What? It was Including, not great. And they both led directly to buckets. What? <laughs> I just I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand how an NBA basketball player can do that. I don't understand how an NBA team can do that. If I were Brad Stevens, I don't even know what I would have done at halftime. I, I would have gone in there and just sat sat down and not said anything and just tried to wrap my head around those 20 seconds. And just let my team sit in the filth of what they'd done. Well, the the thing is, the Celtics came back into this game because of the the super zone. I mean, this it was basically, I think it was tied at the end of the third quarter. The zone really worked. Grant Williams, who was the thirteenth guy that Brad Stevens used, uh, really wild his rotations, just playing. 12 guys in the first half, which is not normal. The zone worked, but then he basically decided like, okay, let's stop using his, the start of the fourth quarter was, uh, I think it was Kemba Walker, Javante Green, Time Lord, Shemi, and uh, was it Carson Edwards or someone else? They But they basically started the quarter one for seven. Uh, it was a very odd rotation there. It's another, like, and the Celtics immediately fell back down by a little bit. And so they were able to get back into this game, but then as soon as they went away from the zone, they just like couldn't score, and uh, the defense crapped. Like it was just awful again. Yeah, and they still had a chance to to tie it, the last possession of the game. I thought they got a great look, great look. Marcus Smart wide open in the corner. You'll you'll take that anytime. Okay, I need to pause you right there because I saw multiple people after that look. Tweeting like, I don't care how good a look it is. You don't want Marcus Smart shooting the last shot. And if you tweeted that after the game, you are a bona fide idiot. And I don't care if you are a fan of ours and you're listening to the show right now and you're thinking, oh, I tweeted that. Shame on you because you are a bona fide dummy. And like that is the best shot you could have get. No timeouts left with like seven seconds to go. Ball movement, like Kemba got into the paint a little bit, passed it to Tatum. There was a closeout. You had a wide open Marcus Smart three to tie the game. 
That is the ideal shot. Marcus Smart is shooting like 45% from the corners this year. Any statement that that is a bad shot, you are a clown, you are a dummy, log off, delete your account. I was just furious to see that after the game. What did those people want? Did they want Kemba Walker to pull up with two guys on him? Did they want Jason Tatum to shoot a three that would have been blocked? Is that what these people wanted? They did. That, that's what they said. That you can't have Marcus Smart shooting that, so let's have Tatum while he's double teamed. Oh, and then if Tatum misses that, you're going to tweet about Tatum is a selfish player and he had Marcus Smart yeah, wide it's open a, in the It's corner. the same guys who were pissed off when Tatum shot the step back three that are now saying, oh, you can't run good offense in that moment. It's, Shut it's, the fuck up. It's outrageous. And that was uh, just a... It was the best shot they had. I mean, the Celtics lucked out there because Jakob Pertl, uh definitely did not foul Jason Tatum on that uh, and one. And so really the Celtics shouldn't have been in that position. I also saw some trade Kemba talk because he got stripped by DeJounte Murray, um, which was a, just a great play by DeJounte Murray. I thought Patty Mills did a pretty good job of fronting Tatum and kind of threw off the the, the flow of that entire play. But you don't expect Kemba to get stripped there, but that really... Yeah, that, that's something I think the Celtics probably worked on in practice the next day, like the execution of that, what to do when someone fronts, because the Spurs just blew that play up, and and Kemba seemed like he didn't know what to do, and I think the confusion there kind of led to the Murray steal, and Murray made a great play, and Kemba was sloppy with the ball, but... Murray's but, got, like, arms like Scotty Pippen arms, like it, he's a very good defender, but yeah, it seems like as soon as they were like, Oh, they're fronting this. The camera it just completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, didn't know what to do on that play. Um, it was, it was a sloppy game. Another sloppy defensive game for the Celtics. Brad Stevens said that he's like, we, we just aren't holding down the fort. <laughs> he He wants them to hold down the fort. It's time for- it was it was not held down whatsoever. Yeah. What'd you think about hit like the twelve man rotation? I think it was like because this was the first time they had the full complement of roster. I was very interested to see like, all right, who's going to get like? Is it going to be Jalen in the bench? Is it going to be Tatum in the bench? We actually saw a bit of that, uh, both of that in the first half. Neither were great, but we also saw twelve guys in the first half. Is Brad just like throwing shit against the wall to see who can hold down the fort the best? No, I think I think he genuinely wanted to give Carson Edwards and Aaron Neesmith a chance to to keep up their good shooting and scoring streaks. Both those guys had played pretty well, um, like starting in garbage time a couple games before that. Um, and I think Brad kind of wanted to reward the good play that those guys had had and and give them a chance to build on that. They didn't really do that. I think more often we'll see Shemi Ojale and and those guys soaking up those minutes and and Grant um was who they turned to in the second half and Grant did a pretty good job. So I I think typically we'll see the older more veteran guys like that. I guess Grant isn't old or a veteran, but he seems like he's old and a veteran. Um and I, I Brad he, he's going to need to figure out the rotation now that everybody's healthy. Um, but I don't think it will look like it did against the Spurs. And I, I think right now also Kemba Walker, 
on being on a minutes restriction kind of hurts them a little bit from and keeps them away from the rotations. But the the rotations he had in the fourth quarter were a little weird, little weird. The thing that stuck out like to me the most was Daniel Tice only got four minutes in the second half. It was basically no Tice whatsoever. I don't know. Brad, after the game, including his furious rant, was like, we don't have any rim protection. The only person who can go straight up on this team is uh, Aaron Neesmith, which happened once after Neesmith. Like, Neesmith gets credit for having a nice uh, vertical possession, but he absolutely did, like ruined the defensive possession beforehand and completely got lost and kind of bailed himself out. But what was the reasoning behind no Tice? It felt like it was a lot of Tristan Thompson down the stretch who wasn't the most effective, and it felt like – Tice is their best uh, offensive center at this point, um, best spacing, and just we didn't really see him in the second half until like the final couple of minutes. Yeah, I think that's going to be something to watch because I feel like Tice has pretty clearly been their best center. Um, that that's how I feel at least. But but Thompson, they're gonna they're gonna keep going to him and and trying to go to him and. And he's got to play better. Like, that's that's just kind of how it is. And I don't think he's been great. I don't think Tice was great early in the season, but he's kind of come along the last couple of weeks. Um, and Thompson needs to figure figure things out. And that center rotation is going to be weird because Robert Williams sometimes has been the best center on the Celtics. Tice, a lot of times, has been the best center on the Celtics. And, and they they went to Thompson. You know, so and I, I don't think there's much separation between those three guys either. It's it's not like I don't think Tice is like infinitely better than Thompson or or Williams. And like I said, on any given night, any of those guys can be the best and they're just going to have to figure it out. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think the things that's interesting at this point in the season is that Brad, at least historically, likes to experiment with um, different lineups, different rotations. I think he said before the game that He's like pretty solid on what like the the top four guys, like the minutes he wants to have them play. But it's really about finding the guys who complement them the best and getting the, the best rotations in there. And so I think that's why you see Brad go to 12 guys in the first half. And it's it's kind of trying to balance how much are you willing to experiment with different lineups and different even in talking about his use of the zone, different defenses. How much are you willing to balance that just to get some data back? Uh, to see what works with trying to win every single basketball game. Because at this point, do how much does the regular season matter? We, I mean, we see like 
the Miami Heat are, are things like six and 12 right now. Uh, and that, a lot of that has to do with Jimmy Butler being out, but like the Raptors are also um, not playing that great. I think they're below 500. Is it more important for them just to experiment with things and try to get right and make sure you're healthy for the playoffs? Or is it tallying up wins at this point? How do you strike that balance? I I think it's both. No, okay. Oh, I guess I'm asking you to balance them so it can be both. I'm always yeah. just I'm just always angry at you when you take a middleman take. Well, I mean, it's not white and black. Sports are not white and black. They are gray, and you don't just win games. Like you got to get better for the playoffs. You gotta you gotta figure out what works, and and you gotta. I think this is a part that a lot of people don't get, and. Like it's a long season and you're going to need basically every player on the team at some point. And so you got to keep those guys engaged too. So it's not always about being hell bent on playing your best in that game. Like I truly believe Brad played Aaron Neesmith and Carson Edwards because he wanted to reward them for playing. Well, I don't think he believes those guys are the best options. Maybe he did. Maybe he thought today, after they've played well, those those are my best options today. Their shooting could be very useful. But I feel like it was more, okay, they played well. If if I don't play them again, they are going to be frustrated by that and we're not going to get the best from them in the future. And so, so those are things you have to worry about as a coach that we sitting there don't. And, and we sitting there are like, Look at those lineups Brad played. Why is he playing these guys? What what's going on there? And Brad is thinking even if even if we sacrifice a little bit of execution and a little bit of talent today, I'd rather have those guys locked in and I'd rather have those guys engaged in the future because you know what? Maybe at some point the Celtics are going to need Aaron Neesmith or Carson Edwards. And so so I think a lot of the time the game to game reaction kind of ignores that. And you look at like the Warriors, there's a lot of criticism of Steve Kerr because Steph Stephen Curry doesn't play as much pick and roll as a lot of the best players. And it's not like like they have a team where he should probably play like James Harden did with the Rockets offensively because they just don't have many other good options. And Steve Kerr is kind of like, yeah, but if we do that, then everyone else is going to be pissed off. And in the long run, we're not going to be as good. And so, like, there's a balance to everything. And and I don't know if, if Steve Kerr is striking the right balance. I don't know if Brad Stevens is striking the right balance. But I get trying to see the bigger picture rather than, like, let's beat the hell out of the Spurs tonight. That That's our only goal. And it feels like Brad is was trying to do both in that Spurs game. It's like the first half, let's try some shit. Let's get Carson in there. Let's get Neesmith in there, reward them. We're also going to try a Jalen with the bench lineup, and then we're going to try Tatum with the bench lineup. And there is this opportunity early on in the season to see what works. You have to have kind of the classic Kaizen growth mindset, like embrace failure. Let's learn from our mistakes you're never going to be able to like get better unless you try different things. And so we got a bit of that in the uh, first half. It uh, failed spectacularly, at least in the final six minutes. And although that wasn't really, uh, again, like anything wacky that was, uh, you know, relying on Kemba, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. And they just 
failed and then Jason Tatum uh, shat the bed. And then you see him go into win now mode where it's like where nothing is working. Let's go with the zone just out of desperation. And so I think that's basically what the Celtics are trying to do at this point and what Brad Stevens is trying to do is we're going to try a bunch of things and see what works. Like we basically know what the lineup is going to be down the stretch of games. It's going to be the top four guys and then either Tice or Thompson. And so in between, just like, let's see what works. Let's see what different lineups we're going to have to figure out. Eventually you're going to see a more regular rotation, but this being the first game when they had the full complement of guys on the roster, I wasn't too surprised to see Brad try a number of different things to try and figure out what works. You would just hope that late game execution, you, you end up with a W, but I don't know. Weird things happen in San Antonio. I think they've only won once there in the past 20 years. Yeah. They tend to lose in San Antonio. They have not been good in San Antonio. Uh, do you think that zone could be useful for them at some point? After seeing how teams use zone in the playoffs and seeing how NBA teams just kind of fart around whenever they play a zone, for whatever reason, guys just forget how to play basketball when a zone defense gets on the court. It's, it's incredible. It's wild, and but I'm like not surprised because that's exactly what happened to the Celtics last year against the Heat, where it's just like we we don't know what to do. I mean, the Spurs were attacking the paint; they were absolutely just getting into the paint, knocking down so many mid range shots. It felt like the Celtics were playing a bit of a drop defense, and it was just Patty Mills was knocking down mid range jumpers. DeRozan was. Keldon Johnson comes out of nowhere, and they were just really getting to the rim. You throw the zone out there. The Spurs did get a number of open looks from three, but it seemed to throw them off their rhythm. And so I think it can work in the future. I think it's got to be against a not like the Spurs clearly are not a great three point shooting team. Like, I don't think it's something you can run against uh, the Heat or anyone with like knockdown three point shooting. On the other hand, the Heat run like such beautiful offense, man to man offense, you know, and they have Duncan Robinson flying around screens. If if he's not like flying around screens and and Jimmy and Bam can't play their pick and roll and their dribble handoffs and stuff like that, like I, I think zone can be useful in small doses against a lot of different teams and to just kind of sap teams from their rhythm and take them out of what they normally do. And and that's that's what happened to the Celtics last year and they probably played against more zone defense than any team has ever played in a playoff run. And Toronto did a ton of it. Miami did a ton of it. And it just seemed like, like it took the Celtics away from what they were best at. And, and even when they got open shots, they weren't in rhythm because they weren't doing what they practiced and did in every game the entire season. So I feel like it can be useful and, I feel like they should probably try to use more zones and experiment with different zones. And that's never been something Brad Stevens has really done. But after seeing how zones impacted them in the playoffs, I think it's just a tool that they should develop in case a team, you know, is just in a great rhythm against them. And, and you just have to try to rob a team of their rhythm. And that's another like opportunity here in the regular season. I think something we talked about a lot with the Raptors last year is the Raptors threw a number of different zones at the Celtics and 
they were good at like playing them because they had played them in the regular season and could uh, had some experience. So it's pretty important for the Celtics uh, to be able to try some things. And you know what? They're going to fail. Uh, that's what happens when you are trying new things out there on the basketball court. And so fans need to not be outraged after every uh, single loss. And uh, hopefully the Celtics can get better moving forward. It's not going to be easy with their next opponent. They are coming. The Lakers are coming to town. Lakers were probably going to be a quite upset because they're coming off a two game losing streak. Uh, Jay, give me a quick preview of what to expect uh, Saturday night. Lakers Celtics. Uh, good basketball players. Many good basketball players. I like it. I like it. On the court. Yeah. Oh, on the court. I like yep. that. Looking Probably forward to too. it. There will be some good ones on the sidelines as well. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the Celtics to me, it, it's not so much about that matchup, but it's can they start defending at an adequate level game to game? That defense has not held down the fort. They have not held down the fort. The fort is in shambles. The the fort has has been under siege. It, it has been ruined, obliterated. We don't even have a fort anymore. And the now Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James are very good at getting into the paint with the basketball. And so I don't know what the answer is uh, for the Celtics. Like, how do they? keep Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James out of the paint on Saturday. And I don't really know. I think that the offense, like it's going to be a track beat, I think for the Celtics, if they're going to want to win this game, which is hard because I'm pretty sure the Lakers have the best defense in the league right now. Yeah. The Lakers, they're good. Yeah, they, Le- they LeBron has been unbelievable. They're pretty good fort builders. <laughs> they are protectors of their fort. That's absolutely right. I think that's the best preview I, uh, anyone could have done for the the Lakers game on Saturday. I, I think. I, I mean, the Jalen Brown Anthony Davis matchup that I think is probably going to happen is an interesting one, and it's one that the Celtics actually handled okay last year. I feel like, like they had there two were- great games against the Lakers last year. Yeah, and and Tatum loves to play the LA teams for whatever reason. He. he he likes to hang 30-plus against those L.A. teams. Um, but, yeah, the, I think the the Lakers' size versus now that the Celtics are downsized, I think that's something to look at. And I think we might see the double big lineup. I think there could be some double big. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some double bigs, uh, especially against the Lakers team. Um who are they? Are they starting? If they run out Gasol and Anthony Davis, I think they're you kind of have to go double big just because the idea of. But you can't go double big. You can't go for long you stretches. Start, you can't start double big. You can, do, you can do anything you want. It's experimentation time. No, you can't start double big. You, when the fort is on fire, you try anything. You can just try spitting on it. I mean, like whatever works, man. No, they've they've been waiting all season to get all their guys back. They, they shouldn't now, because of that, go to the shitty two-center lineup that they found out was shitty and were only starting because they didn't have all their guys. I mean, you, you, use, you use one big and you try to 
light up Marc Gasol and you try to get him out in space and you try you try to stay in front of Kemba Walker and stay in front of Jason Tatum and and you you try to double team Anthony Davis and zoom around or after that and and finally start holding down the goddamn four. <laughs> okay, the Celtics have practice today, and I am desperate for you to ask about their fort maintenance uh, for Brad Stevens today at the press conference. What are the chances? I will unlikely ask about the fort. <laughs> it's but. much more likely that I ask about the fort, and that's probably not going to happen. But, um, all right, let's end the show. Before, we got a lot of people writing in with their Harry Potter Celtics picks. and But before we get to that, I won't, uh, I'm just – Jones in for a potable six pack. It's been a full week since we've done a potable six pack. I wasn't prepared for a potable six pack. I know you're surprised. So I'll, I'll no rules. We can talk about the Spurs game um, included, but it's uh, the full last week of Celtics basketball. Um, and because you're unprepared, I'm going to give you the first pick. Jason Tatum's inbound passing. <laughs> Awful. Good God. <laughs> that was. I'm still flabbergasted, flummoxed, all types of bamboozled. I've never seen a stretch like that. It was just abominable, and it should be forgotten, but also it should be remembered forever. (laughs) Uh, To go along those themes, um, there was a play – that just is like, I think it's becoming one of my favorite things in Celtics basketball is the hot potato time Ward does anytime he gets a rebound. I think he threw the ball to Jeff Teague. I can't remember if it was in this game or the last game and just Jeff Teague didn't go for it. Uh, and it basically led to a, a turnover. And then we had Mike Gorman after the game saying he was very, or during the game saying time Ward was very good at passing once he gets a rebound or saying passing quickly. Time Lord does not like touching the ball in the backcourt and will immediately throw it away. And it's it's if it doesn't lead to a turnover, it's funny. But when it does lead to a turnover, it's ridiculous. But no, it's still funny. It is still funny. It might like be funnier. Immediate. It's, I don't know like what his thinking is. It seems like he thinks it's like his hands will burn off. Uh, but it's every single time he gets a rebound, it's a like turns to the closest guy. And he made a great defensive play, if I remember that play correctly. Like, it, it was an awesome play, and then he just fired it. Just outlet pass to the moon. And it it's just doesn't make sense because I think he did that and then came down, got an offensive rebound, and made a perfect pass to, uh, I think it was Jalen in the corner to knock down a three. Like, his passing on one side of the court and then passing on the other side of the court are completely different skill sets. Like, he is Dime Lord, but he has to cross the half-court line in order to evolve into Dime Lord. Behind the half court line, he's just uh, he's just no one. It's just ridiculous. It's, um, it's incredible. My second pick. This is a tough one. I don't know if you noticed this, Jay, but the Spurs PA system—they're playing bops. They're playing hits. I mean, we got Panama by Van Halen. We got some Bag Raiders. You don't even know what this is. We had some, just like just I, I just would great rather songs not the entire to that time. Bullshit. I I didn't notice what they were playing that's because you don't open your ears man you, but, you experience but I'm glad the world. I didn't because apparently they were playing horseshit songs no they were play, that that the whole point was that they were playing great songs they, they were, were 
They were much better than any other arena. It was like noticeably good. Everyone was talking about it. Literally everyone. My man Joe Sway, he said it too. I mean, it was just well. That means that means Joe Sway, my man Joe Sway. If he says it, then... I, yeah, it's not just me out here. Uh, many people are talking about how good the Spurs music were, and I just I have, I have a lot could... more trust in Joe Sway than you. I just wish you could just appreciate the finer things in life, like when they're playing sweet tunes during the game. But no, Jay, what were you focusing on? X's and O's? Like a gump? I was focused on <laughs> the fort. The your fort, fort burning fort defense. All right. Uh, your second and third picks. Um, Let's see here. Brad going to zone defense just because he was so pissed off at the man-to-man defense. Desperation zone. I feel like that was Brad just giving his team the middle finger. Like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to play like that? Well, fuck you guys. You're going to sit in the zone. And obviously the zone worked out well, and I do think the zone could be a useful tool down the line, and and they they should should work on that and other junk defenses. Um, But I don't think Brad went into that game thinking, yeah, let's, let's mix in some zone here. He was just like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Well, we're going to play his own. <laughs> that was his whole thing. He's like, these fucking assholes. I can't stand these motherfuckers. That second quarter was just abominable. The fort was, but was it worked under reckless attack. It worked. It worked in the third quarter, bring them all the way back. And it was like the only thing that worked in the fourth quarter. I think he should have gone back to the zone quicker. I mean, it was... Really, the only thing that was working, Grant Williams came in and did a very good job in the zone. It's a, it, The thing about that zone, which it's not a typical zone. It's not your classic standard run-of-the-mill 2-3 zone. It's a 2-1-2 zone. And I still, like, I watched a number of possessions, and I still don't really get who's responsible for what zone of the court because... That, that's the, how you know a zone is working. The guy up top was just like, he would go from... Basically, we basically go sideline to sideline. It was it was very bizarre. I'm not really sure how exactly it works, but I know it immediately caused the Spurs to start uh, turning the ball over. And so I'm here for more zones. Uh, I'm a zone guy. Uh, we're officially a zone podcast. I mean, dating back to before the bubble, um, we had Nick Freeman telling us that zones were going to be the key uh, to success. He, in the he did call the zone emergence he he said it we had him on the podcast during the nba hiatus and he said you know what guys zone defenses are going to be more important than ever and i was kind of like yeah okay okay nick and then boom sure it is zone o'clock it was zones on zones on zones and so wild stuff there um for my I i got one more oh sorry 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 what the fuck man um I'm I'm just gonna pick the Lakers matchup. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for good basketball. I'm excited for Jalen against Anthony Davis if that matchup happens. I'm excited for Jason Tatum and Jalen Braun to match up against LeBron James. I'm excited to see the Celtics with all their guys and maybe not completely failing to hold down the fort i'm excited to see 
what should be a really great matchup. So that should be fun. I, I agree. It should be good basketball. I'm excited for all this fort talk. Um, I would have to guess you've mentioned the phrase fort over 12 to 15 times in this podcast, and that might be my final pick, but it's not going to be. Uh, fast PP Peyton Pritchard getting up shots before the game, having a fast recovery might be my final pick, but it's not going to be. Um, calling out Scal for taking unprompted shots at Abby Chin during the broadcast. Uh, wild stuff. Doesn't need to happen. Not going to be my final pick, though. Jalen Brown becoming a Crystals guy. Uh, posted on his Instagram. He's been a Crystals guy. He's been a Crystals guy. Well, I just thought he was – I thought this was a new development. You you have no, knowledge. No, I, I, I think he's he's spoken about his Crystals before. Oh. Are you shocked that Jalen Brown is a Crystals guy? Kind of. I mean, this man is supposed to be very educated and uh, I don't know. I'm not really seeing crystals. I was kind of saw those rocks on his Instagram and thought hoping he was turning into a geology guy. Yeah. This this conversation reminds me um, of when when Kyrie brought out the sage. Um, I got a I kind of went was very ignorant about what that meant um to the the native american population um and i actually got a message from a native american listener who told me basically that i was very ignorant um and so i i want to use this time to kind of apologize about that because i didn't mean to be ignorant and i just guess i didn't understand and obviously kyrie is native american and he kind of tries to um he he talks talks about it pretty regularly and and that's just you know something that native americans it's kind of a tradition for for those people and and i disregarded that and just kind of thought it was funny and i do think in some ways like doing it in an nba arena is pretty interesting um but i was very ignorant for that and so i don't i don't know if crystals are some sort of tradition well, culture taking, or whatever so i i, I want to be careful here that's um, that's I learning wanna, that's i want to not a, be an asshole just in case let's let's take a pause before we pass judgment that's that's fair jay um that is fair and so for that reason that won't be um my final potable pack uh, six pack pick. My pick is actually going to be some more self awareness. Self awareness is very important on anything is potable. After the game on um against the Spurs on Wednesday night, uh, I I saw people complaining about the Kemba Wall or the Marcus Smart shot. I saw um dudes from the Sports Hub talking about the Celtics not trading for Miles Turner. Uh, I just saw a bunch of uh, and I saw trade Kemba tweets, and I I got upset. I got mad online and I went on this rant about how uh, people need to calm down and like they're ruining Celtics Twitter. And it's just, these are just a bunch of Pats fans who are upset that the Patriots aren't good anymore and are coming over and just being upset. And in trying to uh, call out people who are mad online, I actually turned into the guy who was mad online. And so it's never a good look. Being mad online is never cool. Sports are supposed to be fun. Um, supposed to be posting and having good times and making shitty memes 
Uh, that's what it's supposed to be about. And so hand up. That was me. I turned into a mad online guy in my attempt to shame the mad online guys. And I never want to do that. You know, I don't want to be mad online. It's, it's the worst look in all of sports Twitter. We're just holding ourselves accountable today. Yeah. It's a, it's accountability Friday mornings. Uh, that's what we're doing here. Uh, speaking of accountable and we'll end here. Last podcast, we talked about uh, the Celtics as Harry Potter characters. We asked the, uh, the listeners out there to kind of chime in um and what their thoughts were i think we missed a big one on who kemba walker was uh, a lot of people said cedric diggory and that one just feels like it makes a lot of sense isn't cedric diggory the like pretty boy who perished oh yeah he died but he was like, the tournament he was extremely talented he was a uh, he was humble uh he was all he's a good dude all about kind of making it like he died so harry could live he's like he was like do you have a better one I, I I guess it's okay. I I just feel like I feel like Cedric Diggory. He's was, a star. He's got all the talent in the world, and he sacrificed his life for the betterment of the team. I think Kemba Walker would do the same. That, that that's a good point. I I have been over one by the Cedric Diggory comparison. I mean, over I just one. Did I just say over one? Yeah, overwhelmed. It feels like you were convinced and overwhelmed. Um, but you know what? That's what's happening here. It's accountability Friday, self awareness Friday. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys enjoy the Celtics playing the Lakers on Saturday. We'll be back to talk about all of that next week. And so if you enjoy the show, please leave a comment uh, or subscribe or give us five stars and tell a friend about the podcast. And thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Anything is Possible! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.